Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I'm still a medical doctor simultaneously Toronto pursue a career in acting. My guest this week is Patrick Stiles. Patrick Stiles is, you know, kind of a first act actor. He is a musical theater performer, was a musical theater performer, dancer, singer, now massage therapist, simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. And we have a wonderful discussion about balancing that career. He has a young family as well, too, balancing that. He also has an incredible, you know, early life story about his his life in the theater and what that looks like for him now. Please enjoy the lovely, the incredible Patrick Styles. How did you go from massage therapy into acting, doing both simultaneously? So I actually um, started as an actor in musical theater. So I went to Randolph Academy for the performing arts in like late 90s. Um, And then I had a career as a musical theater performer for a long time, like up till 2006. Like I was working pretty steadily. And then I got an injury and couldn't dance for a while. And that was like my bread and butter. Um, so I was getting treatment on my injured ankle and massage was the most helpful. And I thought, you know what? I can't dance for the next six months. I'm kind of over this business. So I went to school and became a massage therapist. And then, um, I thought that I would go straight back to theater and just do massage on the side, but then massage became more of a bigger thing. And, um, then I, I did do simultaneously theater work and massage. It was actually really great, um, to take a few months off here and there to go do a contract. And then, probably 2015, 2016 was the last show I did. And then I was supposed to do one in 2020, which got canceled because of COVID. But it was early 2020 when I thought, you know what, like, I can't dance anymore. My body's too old. It's so fun, but it just hurts too much. So if I want to be taken seriously as an actor and do more acting and singing roles, I need to like, invest in all that class. So um, yeah, so then I thought, well, if I'm taking acting class, I might as well do try TV film, never really gave it a shot before. So that's where I started. And I'm just loving it. Like it's been almost three years now of being in class, I'd say probably like every week on average. And I have a new agent uh, who's awesome. But it's just so funny. Like I've booked a few non-paying student films, but you know, it's a hobby you love when you're just like, I'm giving this my all and spending all this money because I, I do want to make money at it. You made me laugh so much in one of your podcasts when you were talking about taxes. <laughs> and I think your accountant said something like, so here's all your expenses from acting. Where's your income? And you're just like, that's rude or something like that. Because <laughs> it's so true. But, you know, you have to, like, spend the money and invest the time and get better. And um, and I just love the process. So now it's... um. I'm more focused on acting, but massage is definitely what I do in my day-to-day and pays the bills and allows me to take classes and stuff like that. When you were growing up, were you the theater kid? Like, is that what propelled, like, were you performative? Did that what propelled you into musical theater for post-secondary? 
I was into band. I played like a lot of instruments and I sang in the choir, but no real formal training outside of like playing piano and sax. Um, And then I played piano for ballet studio all through high school, like for the ballet classes. And then I played in a pit orchestra for a musical, like just our local like community theater show. And I just remember thinking like, they're having way more fun on stage than I am here playing this piano. Um, and I was really actually pretty shy in high school. So I didn't even take a drama class till probably grade 11. And I was like, so green, no clue. But um, yeah, that's where it started. That's how I got exposed was through the music part. And then I just thought that that's way more fun. And so it was kind of interesting going to the going into the career as a singer dancer who hadn't been training since I was a kid. Because I feel like TV, film, acting, you can pick that up later in life. But dancing like it's um you know i would not be working today as a male dancer like back in the day the standards were so much lower <laughs> you know because of so you think you can dance and stuff like guy dancers have to be really freaking good too but at the time i was getting lots of work and i just was having the best time i didn't care about any responsibility in any show i didn't want to play a lead i was just having the best time in the ensemble um and i mean if someone was like okay you come up with your own count of eight it stressed me out. I'm like, no, tell me what to do. And now that I've gotten more into acting, I'm like, I've done a complete 180. I want to make my own choices. I I want direction. Yes. But like, I really value that being like more of a creative artist now, whereas back in the day, I felt like a fun little factory worker helping the show to happen. (laughs) I think I got off on a tangent there, but no, I love that analogy. That's really interesting. And like, so do you think that's like, what is that? age like great wiseness and maturity has brought this mindset shift or is it training or what do you think i think it's oh geez probably training probably age um yeah i don't i don't know to be honest probably just training because i never really trained much as an actor i did in college a bit and i remember i loved it it was actually my favorite but then it was so easy to book jobs as singer as a singer dancer that i never gave it a second thought and I'm sure I got like worse and worse at worse at actually like speaking lines being believable because it's not you do have to like act when you're in a show in in musical theater but if you're in the ensemble it's not quite the same you know Mm -hmm. so I I think it's probably a combination of both like age and getting wiser and training I've been told and let me know what your thoughts are that it is much harder to go from theater to film and TV because it's really hard to learn as a big person trying to project to the back of the theater to go small, where it's a lot easier for a small person to go big. What do you think and what have you noticed about now your transition to film and TV? Yeah, interesting question. Uh, One of the places where I take class, there are a lot of theater actors there. Mm. A lot of theater actors that are in the same position as me that really are more interested in doing TV film right now. And I remember my first class in TV film was like, yes, too big, too much facial movements, all the things. But I feel like there's definitely technical elements that you have to figure out. But really, it just comes down to like, Am I talking to someone that's a foot in front of me or am I talking to someone that's at the back of like a huge theater? That's kind of what it comes down to. And then I think on camera, like it just picks up absolutely every tiny little thing that sometimes, you know, as Lewis talks about, which I love, you just have to have the thought 
and the camera picks that up. Whereas theater, you always feel the need to show, right? So I think that's been my challenge and maybe other theater artists going to TV film, the need to show your work, the need to show that you've got it, show that you understand what you're talking about, whereas opposed to just like being in it and trusting the camera. I think so. It definitely is a challenge, but lots of people do it. And I'm hoping that I get to do it too. And then going from film to TV, I don't know. If anything, I find, like, I mean, Broadway stars do it all the time, right? Um, But a lot of times, some of those theaters are actually smaller theaters. So they're not like humongous 2,000 foot, 2,000 people theaters. And you can have like a famous TV film actor in the spotlight center stage. And it's almost, I think, as intimate as film, maybe, maybe not, maybe I'm making that up, but um, yeah, if anything, maybe a TV actor going to theater might be like, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> yeah. And I remember um, oh, Kiefer Sutherland, I knew I was going to remember the name. He did a play in Toronto a while back. And I remember the reviews were like, he's acting just from the neck up. Because that that's all he needs to do in film and TV, especially in, like, some of the incredible shows he's been in, like, 24. He's just literally, it's here. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, like, not knowing what to do with your hands. And it's funny that you say that because my film and television training, my acting training, to be honest, has been through Zoom because I started in the pandemic. So my training has been this box – and then I started doing improv and theater in person and was like, yeah, what do I do with the rest of my body now that we're in person for theater? Yeah, because film and TV, that's yeah. great. You plant yourself, you ground yourself. Nobody cares what your body's doing. But as soon as you're on stage doing improv, it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. What do I do with my hands? <laughs> yeah. And I think, honestly, every theater actor also has moments when they're like, what do I do with my hands? A hundred percent. It's not just a new thing for film going to TV. It's everyone. Um, but and, and I love, honestly, in TV film land, I love that it's here. Not that I would ever worry about what to do with the other. I think, honestly, a lot of it comes down to, like, being self-conscious over, like, I'm bloated today. Or, like, I don't know, stuff like that. I Maybe, I don't know. And I wonder if that, like, that's kind of not to get, like, we can get sociopolitical if you want, but, you know, kind of growing up in an image-conscious industry, right? Dance, musical theater, you know, kind of constantly thinking about that because it is part of, you know, you're judged on artistry and how your body is. For sure. And some of my favorite actors in theater that I can think of, like, they don't give a fuck about any of that. You know, they're, they, they, there's no room for them to be self-conscious in their work when they're on stage. They are just like, they're in it. And it's, and that's what we love to see, right? Because it's like, yeah. they're displaying all of everything that they are out there. And I, I think coming from a dance background, you're like, suck it in, hold yourself up tight. You know, your breathing is very apical as a dancer. As a, <laughs> as a dancer. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, that's, I think theater actors really, you have to have like the full body, like here I am. And they talk about, you know, grounding, I say they, you know what I mean? But like the the, the overlords of the industry, like kind of grounding and being in your body. Do you feel that 
your dance experience has allowed you to excel at that sensation of planting and getting yourself in tune with how your body sensations are feeling, like the thoughts that you need for now film and TV? Probably, probably, probably. Um, but I've also, I, I remember having a coaching and, and this guy who I love, David Connolly's his name, he's an awesome director, actor, coach. Um, and, you know, he wanted me to like, it was an up-tempo like song. And I was like, just supposed to be like living my best life, like at a party, like full on dancing. And I still have such a hard time with that, even as a dancer, because I'm not a dancer that would go dance in a club. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of dancers are, but some aren't. Some are technically trained. And like, like I said, like, tell me what to do and I'll do it to the best of my ability, eight shows a week, but making stuff up. So I think the acting is actually helping more with that to be less in my head, which allows me to be more in my body. Because I think, I don't know, people think, yeah, you're a dancer. Of course you're in your body. But I don't know if I have an easy time with that. I feel like the acting is helping more. But I'm weird. I'm weird. That's super interesting. I was just talking to a former professional ballerina turned actor. And she danced professionally in New York for many years and now has retired and is finding a really interesting, not only just transition from, you know, and I wonder if you feel the same, like retiring from something at an age when not many other of your peers have retired, you know, because you're like, mm -hmm. you're like my body is now saying you're done. But yeah, now having to now moving into acting and kind of looking back at her career saying, man, I wish I had done more acting training because I think it would have benefited my ballet mm -hmm. because of exactly what you just said. It's fascinating. 100%. I sang this song recently that I, I was considering doing for like an audition that I went to. And, uh, and I hadn't sung it in a while. And there was like an A flat in it. And I always just felt like it was never great. And I hadn't focused on singing in a while. I was just doing acting, acting, doing Meisner stuff, which I loved. And I just went at the song from an acting perspective, which is what you're always meant to do. But I finally just did it. And vocally, it was a non-issue. Hmm. You know, um, I got out of my head and just let my body do what it wants to do naturally when you're having those thoughts and, and relaying that story. So that was a cool experience. Could I mimic that like five minutes later? No, I went back to cacking on the note. So there's still more work to be done. But um, no, I, I think for sure the acting like really helps dancers and especially like ballet, like, you know, it's just mm -hmm. so technical and so precise mm -hmm. sometimes you feel like there's not even room to like take a deep breath. <laughs> I can only imagine. You know, and I didn't really do ballet, but that's sort of like a lot of ballerinas that I know. It's like, no, you don't like take a big breath and let your diaphragm push down and let your like, stomach hang out. You just don't do that. Your gut hang out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you find that you have brought anything from your massage therapy training and now practice into your acting career? That's a good question. I think... Uh... I'm not sure if this is 100% going to answer what you're saying, but it is something that I think is related. I've always felt very competent as a massage therapist. I had good training, stuck with the program, hustled at the beginning of my career, like did exactly what I wanted to do. And I, I'm very happy with where I am. And I've always felt competent. Since day one of graduating, 
I felt confident, competent, and always willing to learn and grow and all those things. Never had like a sort of superior superiority complex over anyone or anything. I'm just like, this is what I do. I'm good at it. How can I even be better? And then I'm like, I never felt like that as a performer. And so I think that that made me realize like if I can have that level of comfort as an actor, that's why I'm taking class all the time. And, and I'm starting to get there. Like I'm starting to feel just more competent, which helps with grounding, which helps with just being and, and doing all the things. So that's one thing. Um, I think like maybe body alignment and stuff like body awareness, you know, sometimes like, I think everyone has a tendency to like slouch and stuff like that. Like just being aware of like how to be like anatomically, musculoskeletally speaking is maybe helpful. Um, I don't know. I love what you said about competency. Cause that made me think about my own career. And as soon as you started talking, I was like, yeah, that's exactly how I felt extremely competent and hustly. And there's something about acting. And I think it's because there are some people out there who don't need to train. They are just naturally gifted actors. And it, I'm sure there are dancers out there, there are singers out there, right? And so there's this weird mind thing that I know I do that I have that I keep thinking Training will make you competent as an actor. This is no different than becoming a doctor. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, my mind is saying, if you're not naturally good at it, you're never going to be competent. But then the other side of me says, look at how much you've changed and improved with your training to become competent as an actor. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's this like this weird... I think it maybe is the creative careers, right? Where there are some people who are like, well, if you're not naturally talented at it, sorry. But who, let, no other job says, yeah, you're not, you were naturally born to be a doctor. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, I love my agent right now. She is all about like, she demands that everyone in her roster is in class. I mean, she deals with a lot of dancers. Dancers are always in class. Actors, I also think it's healthy to take time away from class sometimes, for sure, and let things absorb. But um, I, yeah, if I look at my self-tapes from, like, when I really started auditioning, like, a good year and a half ago, you know, and I'd be mad that I didn't get, like, the first thing. And I'm like, well, it was just bad. There was nothing good about it. Like, maybe if they wanted to hire someone that was acting bad in that particular situation, I could have got cast. But, you know, um, and I think for me... Uh, coming from musical theater and being a perfectionist, which I've learned is like not good. Mm -hmm. We need to embrace the imperfections, right? We need to like strive to be good at what we do and to get better and continually improve. But I realized being a perfectionist is not the compliment that I thought it was. And it's like done a disservice for me as an actor. So um, uh, where was I going on that tangent? Um, I forget where I was going. Oh, yes. Unlearning habits, right? Like I've created so many habits in order to come across as what I think of like uh, being like perfect, which is unattainable anyway. Um, So I think for me, that's where training is coming in. I have so many habits to unlearn, to just be. Yeah. And I think that's where 
you know, my, like your training in musical theater, I think is similar to like the training in lots of other jobs where you do need perfection, right? Musical theater in my very limited experience is very regimented, even though it looks on stage as fun, even though it is fun, but it's very like you have to meet your mark. There's choreography. It's very perfectionist, the same in dancing, right? And in medicine, you can't embrace your imperfections because people. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So unlearning those habits is so difficult. I think, especially, I know as I get older, it's tougher to do, but when you do do it, I don't know about you, but I find it so satisfying mm-hmm. that I learn something new every time I do an acting class about how to do that. And again, that's the training towards competency. For sure. Because you're, you're not, if you're cast as a doctor, you're not necessarily playing Janet, like the perfect doctor that's going to make sure you say that it's probably more about what's going on in your life. And no one's lives are perfect. People's lives are messy. So we've got to embrace that part of ourselves. It's really cool. One thing I remember in a class I took recently um, with Steven at LB Studios, he did an exercise. He's like, I'm going to give you all like five or six notes. After one take, we're going to go through it. And then I'll give you all your notes at once. And then you'll do it. And it was interesting. It was an interesting exercise because I got in my head. I remembered one or two of the notes, but maybe not the third, fourth, and fifth. and because I come from theater, it's like when you get a note, like you have to fix it, right? It's like you have to hit that mark. Your hand has to be like, I don't know, like this, you know, not like this. Uh, and so I come from that background where a note means fix it. They want it perfect next time. But he made a good point. It's like it's you got to take the notes, but you've also still got – oh, I forget what he said, but it was so brilliant what he said. It was a really good lesson in terms of TV film. You get the notes. You can't get in your head if you don't remember every single note. You just got to take the general tone, maybe reiterate to the director, okay, so you're thinking this, 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 okay, great, and go for it. But you you can't be so focused on showing that you understood the note that you forget to just be moment to moment. So that's interesting, interesting transition from TV and film to uh, theater. Yeah, I remember a similar experience with with Lewis and you know I I'd, I'd gotten some f- uh, some notes from a class maybe a year ago and I don't know about you but like I remember most of the constructive criticism I've been given as an actor and trying to like internalize it right again because I remember the notes I've been given because I want yes. to fix them yeah and I remember talking to Lewis after doing a scene and being like yeah well I've been told that you know xyz is something I need to work on and I was really trying to do that in the scene and he was like Janet relax like that was a year ago like what worked then you know it's not the same today you're a different person right now you're in two seconds you're going to be a different person than you were two seconds ago like the chemicals in your body are different your thoughts everything is different like oh (laughs) yeah his whole analogy of like you never step in the same river twice right yes and um and it's interesting from massage perspective too um i find this with clients all the time one day there there might be like a muscular imbalance or something's off or um asymmetrical or maybe one day i'm even like you got a a little bit of like a functional scoliosis going on and and then sometimes it's fixed and then 
you know, they, they carry that with them for years. Mm. Scoliosis. And it's like, yes. no, you did one day. <laughs> you know, you did one day because you were probably sitting like this for a long time or something. But it's, um, yeah, we change. And it, I think it's so important. And I'm going to take that with me in massage land too. And, you know, remind people that like, yeah, you have this injury, but it can be fixed. Your body can adapt and you can improve and move past it. And then it's no longer a thing. It doesn't mean like two years down the road, that's your criticism, you know, that your body is flawed in some way because you fix it and you move on and then something else comes up. That's so great. It's funny. I never made that. This is my, my, my issue is that I have such a difficult time blending my two worlds because I just, in my mind, I think of them as so different as like science, arts, and never the two shall meet. Uh, but that's, that's a lovely thing to think about, you know, that, yeah, absolutely. Like talking to your patients about that. Like it makes sense again. Oh, I love that. That's a, I'm going to write that down. Do your, do your patients love that you're also an actor. Do you ever have to like cancel days last minute? I practice very, like I practice sports medicine, yeah. which is the ultimate first world medicine as you may under, yeah. you'll understand, right? Like, Oh, I'm sorry. Your elbow is going to be a little bit more sore for the next 24 hours. Cause I have to cancel, you know, the day. Um, I have very, very understanding patients. I, most of my patients think it's just a riot. I've had patients come see me in plays and not tell me and then come see me the next time and, and my appointment be like, I saw you. <laughs> um, I have had one, no longer my patient complain that I should be working more as a doctor. How dare I go do acting? I should be more doctoring because you know, how dare anyone have a life outside of their job. Um, that was very, uh, again, a very rare thing. But of course, we always think about 100 nice patients will delete every you'll delete everything that 100 nice patients said about you, mm-hmm. because you'll only remember the one horrible thing somebody said. But yeah. that's not a reflection on me. That's a reflection on them. So yeah. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. Um, oh, man, back in the day, it was <laughs> when I worked at a, a busy multidisciplinary clinic. Um, it was uh it was crazy because I was booked months in advance, booked solid. And then sometimes I'd get a show last minute and I'd be like, I'm gone for three months. And most people were like, oh, that's so exciting. And they would come see and they'd support and it'd be awesome. Um, but you'd have this some people that would get so mad. They refused to see anyone else I referred them to. They'd wait till I get back. They'd throw such a huff about it. And, you know, the more contracts I did, I appreciated those two or three months away because I'm just like, need to clean shop because, like, I don't need people like that that just feel like they're like so controlling of my life and my time and so Mm. it was difficult and there's no way i could have done tv film back in the day especially having to go to toronto for auditions so last minute and even like being on set so last minute um there's no way i could have made that work but now i work at home and i have mostly like uh athlete practice and really great people clients and um and i only book a month ahead and they're all like so they're the people that just think like Yes, of course, you need a life outside of your main job. Yeah. You know, they're good people. Um, so very understanding. Like, I had to cancel my day today because of my little fainting episode and my neck has whiplash. And my daughter's at home sick today, too. It's like a trifecta. But um, anyway, so, uh, you know, it's uh, it's been, I really like it right now. And I love self-tapes. I like the odd in-person mm-hmm. audition. But, you know, and also the fact I work from home. If I have, like, half an hour off between clients, you know, I did a painted a wall 
and I could easily do a quick little thing if I needed to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's really good right now. But years ago, it was it was tough for sure. Has there been anything that has surprised you about the entertainment industry? I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, well, I guess if anything, I've realized uh, that casting directors are our friends, <laughs> and that it's a business, and with the agency as well, like. I never really thought about that too much. If I, when I was younger and doing musical theater, if I didn't get cast in something, probably because I had a bad audition, then I'm like, oh, that casting director hates me. And sometimes, hmm. sometimes it's true that I may may have wasted their time in front of like a big panel of people because whatever had an off day or was sick. And back in the day, you just you showed up anyway and you tried to sing through it, and you can't say you're sick because whatever. Um, so, yeah. So back in the day, I definitely felt like. It was an us versus them type thing. And I had bitterness around that. But I, I think it has been surprising lately to realize that like casting directors are fully on our side. I think they're human. They realize that we have bad days and they and they have positions to fill and they need our help getting that done. So I think I just have a more like positive outlook on the whole industry, which is kind of shocking because there's probably a lot of bad things to say about the entertainment industry. But I've learned that recently. Like I love auditioning. I used to hate it. I resented it. I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm not going to get it. And now, like since I've been with my new agent um, in last August, I had 72 auditions. And I booked like, I don't know, and I booked like three student films. Like nothing paid with my agent yet. I feel awful. I'm like, and I told her once, I'm like, I just feel so bad. Like, I'm doing my best. I keep getting better. And she reviews every self-tape. And she's like, we're very happy with you. You're doing all the right things. Just a matter of time and figuring out exactly, like, what breakdowns are the most appropriate to submit you for. So I think that's been surprising in TV film land. It just feels a little bit more positive than my experiences before and a little bit more collaborative. And everyone kind of needs everyone to be their best self, be their best selves and to work together to make it happen. Where did that come from like did was that a discovery for you um yeah i think like even like listening to your podcast with your agent Aww. who she sounds a lot like my agent like very business like when she's like yes. you know i'm sure you have like mental problems sometimes i don't need to know them and i'm like my agent would love to say that to me if she could <laughs> <I'm sure>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was one time like i know you don't <clears throat> care about like my emotional issues over this business but like i had so many additions last week and like this, it feels like my phone doesn't work <laughs> like it's so sad but you know not their job to do that mm-hmm. um but um yeah so your podcast and i've taken a few um casting director workshops and i think i met you in one of them with jeb right that's where we met and i i so i'm gonna interrupt you because i saw your background and there was a like the same like msk posters that i have in my office i'm like who is this man all right (laughs) (laughs) i think i think we'll be friends (laughs) yay those posters are currently gone because i needed a blank wall so they're on the floor and i don't get to look at them anymore um yeah so doing those courses really helped as well yeah and just really i i think it's partly helpful that there are often so many auditions and i submit myself to every student film i just want to be busy auditioning and everyone is an experience and a good little challenge and so yeah so i'm i've been submitting myself for a lot of extra stuff i know i won't get paid for but just the volume of auditions it's almost like almost laughable how many i've done without getting paid and how much I've been in class without making any money off it. But I don't know. It somehow makes me love it more. 
We're weird people. It's interesting. I remember somebody giving me the analogy about Survivor, the show, and how, yeah, we do so much and it's really hard to invest so much of your soul and uh, mind and energy in, and time into these tapes that you send off into the ether and then you get ghosted. Like you literally never hear because, and you're like, that's, that's me I've put out into the world and I've been ghosted, ghosted by the casting director. But I yeah. remember somebody saying, all you got to do is outlast everyone else <laughs> because for a lot of people, that's, that's too much. And I don't blame them. No, it's rough. Sure. Yeah. So, I honestly, I think if, you know, yeah, you're not getting, you're not getting booked for stuff, but I, I'm hoping, and maybe I'm completely wrong here, that one day some casting director is going to see that, like, my agent submitted me for something. So I'm like, oh yeah, Janet. Oh, she's still around. Oh, cool. Let's just, that's great. She's still kicking. <laughs> Good for her. Because <laughs> I heard the rate, it's like, I can't remember the percentage, but the amount of actors who start and quit after like between one and five years is something like 80%. Oh, yeah. I'm not surprised. But, you know, that's why you got to love it. Like if I didn't love it, like I stopped performing in musical theater because I did not love it. It was Mm. – and now I miss it. And I wouldn't mind – I'm totally open to going to do a show again. That would be great. Um, But, but, yeah, no, it's it's not for like the faint of heart. Is that the expression? Um, you know, but the other thing I really love the odd in-person or zoom edition I've done. I love those because I leave and it's done. When I do a self tape, I can like watch it back a million times, even after it's submitted and then be like, Oh no, I could have, could be more specific in that part. And, um, but I, I'm getting better at just doing it, having so much fun with it, figure out exactly what I want, what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And just doing, and it's funny because the more I've done too, like learning lines used to be a struggle. I feel like that's not even a thing anymore, which is weird. Training to competency, right? It's like learning the muscles, insertions, and origins. I never thought I would be able to get that down, right? But you, yeah, you do it over and over again, and it becomes your it's your training, like your training. Yeah, 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 and it's that's one of the skills that we need. And I don't know exactly how I've gotten better at it or just have less anxiety over learning lines. It's just, I think it's from Meisner actually was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Focusing on your scene partner, focusing on the whole story. I used to just write out my lines and was so stressed about what they were. And now I focus on what the other person's saying. And, oh, and Lewis said something. Lewis is so smart. He said something once about um, replace the fear of not knowing your lines to the thrill of having them come to you. Oh, man. Lewis Bowmaner. I did not make that up. But that really, really helped me because every self-tape I've watched back, when there is that moment of fear and I don't know what comes next, and sometimes I've like cut it myself because I'm like, I don't know. That's always the most interesting to watch. When I watch, I'm like, why did I cut that? Like, that was the most interesting part of the tape because I didn't know what was happening. And I was trying to figure it out. Because real life, we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what we're going to say next, right? So, yeah. ah, that's so good. That's terrifying because, again, that takes a, that's the, uh, you know, it's the unfamiliarity. I love scripts. I love algorithms. I love like word perfectness. 
But there's nothing quite like that feeling. And I'll never forget the first time I felt what everyone feels as an actor of like being in, in the moment and finishing a scene. It was in one of Michelle's classes at LB. Right. And not knowing where I was or what had happened and being like, did I say the lines right? She's like, doesn't matter. That was amazing. Right. Like how fascinating and how thrilling we don't get that. I think in our day-to-day lives, really. I know that's what's so exciting. It's like our outlet, right. When we have to, there is like right and wrong answers with our other work. Right. Uh, And this is so freeing because it's not like that. And yeah, and again, back to like perfectionism, I used to like make sure I had to be word perfect. And that's still my goal for sure. But I'm not going to like completely write off a take because I I paraphrased a couple words when maybe it was actually way more um, nice to watch, you know? Do you have any advice for anyone interested in starting a career in acting or balancing a career in acting with another job? Oh man. Well, I think having another job is key (laughs) 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 to your finance. Like, I mean, if I didn't have another job, how would I be taking classes and headshots and making a demo reel and being able to do things for free because I want that experience, you know? Um, so yeah, having another job is great with some flexibility and like, I don't know, I've loved every single class that I've taken. Um, and so it's really hard to know like where I would start. I think probably like the hardest where I had to commit the most was probably either like Meisner with Sean Benson, or there was like a scene study intensive with Jane Moffat. And those were not on camera classes, but those teachers and everyone in the class are like film actors. So it's, I thought it was interesting because it's not at all anything to do with the camera. It's just to do with like moment to moment work. And I, I really liked the miser. I feel like it was game changing for me, but that's because I had certain habits of saying lines certain ways and getting in my head as opposed to like putting my focus on my scene partner. So for me, like that was really helpful, but for other people, if you don't have any bad habits to unlearn, like any on camera class, like LB or I love lighthouse as well with Angela there's so many. I haven't had a bad teacher. They're all so good. But just start. Do you have any favorite on set or on stage moments? Huh. I like honestly, probably the biggest highlight was a show I did. I did it in Russia and uh, the national tour of it. It was called 42nd Street. So huge tap musical. Oh. Um, yeah. And I remember like, I didn't want to go to the audition. I'm like, I don't want to go to Russia. You can't even be gay there. Like I'm going to end up in jail. <laughs> But um, I went to the audition, stayed all day, missed like a family event for it, got there late. And they're like, oh, what were, where were you? And I'm like, oh, I was auditioning for this thing. And I said, I think it went well. I think I got it. And, and they're like, oh, what is it? And I'm like, well, if I, if I do get it, like I leave for like Russia next week for like a year. It ended up only being like four or five months. But that show <clears throat> was like, we had bomb threats. Uh, just... Like there was a another show going on in Moscow at the same time that had like a hijacking from these Chechen rebels and people died and people were calling us from home and they're like watching CNN and they're like, oh my God, is that you guys? And like, we're watching the news and it's all in Russian. I'm like, I don't know. It's not us. Anyway, so that whole experience, <clears throat> the show was incredible, like full orchestra, huge cast. And then the national tour was also fantastic of that show. But um, I just loved those experiences, like living on the edge. I remember one day 
you know, we didn't have our places call yet or maybe even 15 minutes. And it was like time to go. And we're like, what's going on? And the stage manager comes on the tannoy and most of the cast was Americans. There were maybe 10 Canadians to like 50 Americans. And this was a year after 9-11. So Americans from New York City were like very on edge about a lot of things. Um, whereas the Canadians were more about like, what's this adventure we don't get in our Canada? So the stage manager came her thing. She's like, ladies and gentlemen, stop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. I remember this guy beside me like was out. He was out of the dressing room before she even said what was going on. And he was on a flight back to New York the next day. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, do, do, do. And she's like, stop what you're doing. Leave. Theater's getting evacuated. Bomb threat sushi was a crossroad. And that's where we'd all convene. And so that whole experience was just incredible. Like, I just love adventure. And I lived through it. And it was fun. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I should write a book on that. It was a fun experience. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. That is the story you tell around the campfire for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Yeah, it was fun. Would your family describe you as an actor these days or how would they describe you? That's a good question. They know what I'm up to. But like at Thanksgiving, um, <clears throat> one of my uncles, I was telling him like I was in a class doing something. He's like, oh, what's new with you? I'm like, oh, I'm taking this class. And he's like, what, you're teaching it? I'm like, no, I'm taking it. And he was just so confused. Like my immediate family, my parents, like they know I'm into this. And uh, I think it will help to show them some footage of something I've done recently to say like, oh, yeah, so this is what I'm up to. Because I don't think they really get it. But extended family, like they don't get it. Like they don't get how... I've been in the industry technically a long time, but I'm doing something completely different within it right now. So there's a totally different focus. And and I don't think they get why I'm taking class and not teaching it. Do you think it's an age thing? Like, uh, uh, like at a certain age, people are like, why are you learning something new? Haven't you learned all the things? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they can't say, why don't you get a real job? Because I already have a real job. Yes. But and that's like so annoying. So annoying. Acting is like the realest job out oh there. Actors are so resilient, right? Like, um, so yeah, I think it's probably an age thing. And I just, with massage and with acting, I'm just like all into the lifelong learning. I remember having a conversation with someone and she was an like a an actor, uh, sorry, fashion designer turned actor, and I, it was kind of like a therapy session because I didn't realize this about myself until she said it. And she's like, "Well, yeah, the reason I I wanted to do acting is that I I like learning things." And when I finished all my education, I realized I wasn't learning anything anymore, and that was a huge contributor to her burnout. And I was like, "Oh, oh, that." I- that is me. You know, I, I've been in school since I was three. And then because I, because I genuinely like it. Right. Like I, and then when I finished my sports medicine fellowship and you kind of enter into the real world, you hustle and you, yeah, you're doing the learning, continuing education, but there comes a point where you're like, I'm done with the learning. I'm just so tired. But then there comes a time after that where you're like, man, I miss the learning. Why am I, why am I feeling burnt out? And it's because there's the no learning of the new things. I like a sponge. I just like new stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. And I, it's been a while since I've taken continuing education as a massage therapist. Like I really need to focus on that this year coming up because I've been doing all the acting stuff. Um, but yeah, no, it, it is interesting to juggle both careers because you, I'm, I don't know about you, but if you, well, our college changed everything. So we don't actually have to do any more continuing education. Lucky. Well, but I, I enjoyed it because it, like, yeah. I love taking courses and without the requirement to do that, granted it's been the pandemic and I refuse to do a virtual massage course. Oh, like, no, yeah. like I just, I always want hands-on like a, like active release technique or cupping, or I might do fascial stretch technique later, FST. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I need that hands-on stuff because that's what I do. I can like go on the internet and look up other stuff if I hmm. feel like I'm lacking academically or like knowledge wise or something. Well, I think there's, there's probably like two, two types of people in the world, right? <laughs> like, um, and it's neither of them is negative. It's just, there's people who say, you know, they don't want to learn new things, right? They don't, they can't even like fathom, like going to learn, a like going to like a ceramics class or like learning Spanish or anything like that. Cause they're just, they're happy with what they've already learned. And you're like, Good on you, but yeah, then the, and they just can't really understand the people who say, you know, you know, I want to learn how to do X, Y, Z now. I'm like, oh, but that's that's weird. Okay, shouldn't you be teaching it? Right? <laughs> I'm like, believe me, no, no. no um, right. But I, uh, um, yeah, I find also like learning new things, especially with acting, keeps me feeling younger. Mm. If there's ever been a time in my career, either or both of them, where I wasn't continually evolving and learning new things and kind of like in the rut of just like, this is my job, I just go do it. I immediately started to feel my age and older and and usually often bitter too. Like, I don't know, just being open-minded to learning new things and all the great people you get to meet doing any acting class. It's amazing. And yeah, yeah it's really cool. So yeah, it just gives me life. You know, I've definitely thought about that. And I, I love the people that I work with in the medical world. I, we have been through a lot these last couple of years. And, I'm kidding. Uh, but, you know, I never would have met some of these artists if it wasn't for acting. And it definitely expands expands your world. And I remember being told, and again, this is probably a Lewis quote, um, like acting and art are the only things in this world that bring about genuine empathy you know, where you are learning so much about other people and other ways of thinking, other mindsets, other cultures, other backgrounds. And um, there's not much else in this world that can bring about empathy, which is, I think, super powerful. Yeah, which is why maybe in my experience, I find actors in musical theater, or people I met in TV film are generally like positive, open people, because you spend time putting yourself in other people's shoes. Which is so cool. It is so cool. It's 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 so cool. And it's such a it's a privilege. It's a privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any final words of wisdom? Words of advice? Um, I guess just like <clears throat> keep training, and if you love it, that's enough. You know, I think I, I'm sure that I've told people when I didn't get an audition before or didn't book that job that I thought maybe I had a really good shot at. And I feel like even like close friends have been like wanting to say like, maybe like that's enough. (laughs) Like maybe it's time to give up, you know, but if you, you just got to be true to yourself. Like if you love doing it, keep doing it. 
you know, despite what other people think or say. I mean, I think generally people are supportive of people doing what they want to do. But I think some of my closest friends, when they see like the ups and the downs and like the highs and the lows and the like, you know, they're like, why are you doing this to yourself? And there's days when I wonder that too. But, oh, and then oh, one person, this is my final last bit of advice that I learned from this actor that I did a student film with. Her name, what? I forget her name. But she, she said like, I like to set some completely ridiculous expectation. Like if I book one in 200 auditions, would I still want to do this? And if the answer is yes, great, keep going. And that actually helped me a lot because, you know, now I've booked a few out of 72. And I don't even care that they're not paying. They're great quality demo reel footage. They're amazing roles that I would not get hired to pay play right now. So, um, yeah. So things like 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 set like a just ridiculously high bar to achieve and or to not achieve and be like, if you know, would you still do it if? And if the answer is yes, then just keep going. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Patrick, for being my guest this week. Thank you so much for sharing your wonderful story. You are such a gem, an absolute gem. And I cannot wait to work with you soon in the near future. Oh, is the suspense killing you, everyone? Patrick and I might finally, finally get to work together. I'm thrilled. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And I hope you will join me next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye. Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Bye!